People with invisible illnesses are silently struggling. I know this firsthand. I'm your host, Harper Spiro. I spent the first 27 years of my life hiding my invisible illness. I hid it because I could hide it, at least most of the time. But I also hid it because there was no way to talk about it. No platform, no way to connect with other people who were also hiding, pretending everything was fine. People who, like me, were feeling increasingly isolated and internalizing all of those feelings instead of starting a conversation about their experience. We're also afraid to expose our true selves. We worry about all kinds of things, whether we'll be taken seriously, we'll be pitied, or whether our lives will change once people know what we're going through. We're afraid of being judged and criticized, but when we're truly ourselves and we don't hide our experiences, we attract the right people. We find people who we can relate to, and we can start conversations about what it means to try to live with an illness but not be defined by one. On this podcast, Made Visible, I'll feature individuals with invisible illnesses of all kinds as they share the stories many of them have been hiding for months, years, or even lifetimes. We'll also give a voice to the family, friends, and caregivers who are often silently struggling too. I'll talk to people with chronic illnesses that affect their day-to-day lives, people whose siblings, parent, or children have passed away from their health condition or had their lives significantly affected by it, people with mental illnesses who are used to hiding their true experiences, people with rare diseases who have just given up explaining their symptoms or assuring people that, yes, their condition is a real thing. The goal of Made Visible is to help people living with invisible illnesses feel less alone as they strive to create a normal life, while also creating a new awareness of how we can be sensitive and supportive to people who seem fine but aren't. We never truly know what another person is going through unless we ask, listen, and do our best to understand. I'm not a therapist, a doctor, or a specialist on invisible illnesses. I am someone who lives with an invisible illness, and I'm here to highlight the stories of others who are doing the same. Even though I've been managing my illness for my entire life, I'm no expert. I'm figuring it out as much as anyone else. Today on the first episode of the podcast, I'll share my own story. It's a story that over the past few years, I've begun to talk and write about. But before that, I've been hiding it for so long. Here's what happened. Made Visible is a podcast that gives a voice to people with invisible illnesses. There's no blueprint about how to live with an invisible illness or how to be there for someone who has one. We're here to help people feel less alone as they strive to create a normal life and to create an awareness of how we can be supportive of people who seem fine but aren't. For the first 10 years of my life, my mom spent much of her time trying to figure out what was wrong with me. From birth, I had many symptoms related to my skin that we couldn't figure out. She took both Eastern and Western approaches, seeing doctors, specialists, healers, and everyone in between. I was given antibiotics, creams, supplements, and dietary restrictions. You know, like gluten-free before gluten-free was a thing. Nobody knew what was wrong with me until I saw an immunologist who diagnosed me with hyper-IgE Job syndrome, which gave us a name but not much else. It's such a rare immune deficiency that nobody knew what to do with me. I'd later learn there were fewer than 300 patients diagnosed with my condition. I treated the symptoms as they arose, 
eczema, rashes, cysts, boils, warts, and other gross things, things that nobody, especially a preteen and teenager, wants to deal with. Eleven of my baby teeth had to be removed because the adult teeth were growing in. I've had five root canals in my life. I ended up in the hospital for two and a half weeks when I was 11 with pneumonia. And despite all of this, the symptoms were manageable to a certain extent. In high school and college, my friends assumed I had bad allergies and got sick a few more times than your average person. Otherwise, nobody suspected anything. After all, I have an invisible illness. Growing up, I was so ashamed of my health condition. I didn't want to be defined by it, let alone deal with it. I deal with the symptoms as they arose, but never my health as a whole. In high school, my mom ran a holistic health care center. I saw all these leaders in the industry and was open to trying their methodologies, but didn't necessarily care to be better. I was used to being uncomfortable in my skin. I didn't think things would improve. But they got even worse. In 2011, I had just started as the director of digital media at a beauty PR firm. Shortly after starting the job, I found myself walking down the street, feeling like I was going to collapse after two blocks. I would walk up the two flights of stairs in my apartment and collapse on my couch. I couldn't catch my breath. As a native New Yorker who has always walked long distances, it was the scariest thing. My general practitioner put me on several medications and gave me inhalers, and nothing changed. I still couldn't breathe. After three months, my mom demanded I see a pulmonologist, a lung specialist, to see if she could get to the root of the problem. After a day of testing at NYU Hospital here in New York, we discovered I had a cyst the size of a golf ball in my right lung. We don't know if it was there for the last four months or for the last 15 years, as that was the last time I had a CAT scan. She insisted I have surgery to remove it. We decided to consult the immunologist who had diagnosed me with hyper-IgE, Job syndrome, 16 years earlier. She told me that I couldn't have the surgery, that people with Job syndrome have sometimes not made it through the surgery. I was terrified and frustrated. One doctor was telling me the surgery was critical. Another was saying it was dangerous. As we ended the call, I wanted to throw my phone out the window. My immunologist suggested that we travel to the National Institute of Health, the NIH, as soon as we possibly could to meet with the Infectious Disease Department. This wasn't the first time I'd heard about the NIH. The head of the department had wanted to work with me since I was a teenager. I had politely declined for more than a decade because I didn't want to be a specimen. I was determined to live a normal life without letting my immune deficiency define me. But this time was different. I instinctively knew that going to the NIH was exactly what I needed to do. I won't bore you with all the medical details because that's not what this podcast is about. But basically, the NIH said I had to have the surgery. They said there was really no way around it, and hopefully I'd be okay. They'd had other patients who went through the surgery, some didn't survive, and some had chest tubes for months. They were hopeful mine would go well. It was terrifying not knowing if I'd make it out alive. Fortunately, the surgery was extremely successful, and I had a quarter of my right lung removed. Recovery from the surgery was another story. I was on medical leave from my job for two months, and it was the darkest time of my life. There were so many things to navigate. My friends and family wanted to be supportive, but there's no manual on how to help someone going through a situation like this. Should they call, text, email, show up, send something, or leave me alone? 
I didn't even know what I needed or wanted on any given day, so it was hard to provide them with any direction. One day I was telling them I needed space, and the next I was in need of someone sitting by my side. I don't blame anyone for not knowing how to help. The crazy thing is, is that prior to having been told that I needed to have surgery, I hadn't told anyone I even had an immune deficiency. I had hid it from all of my friends. I talked about it with my mom, sometimes my dad, but never my friends. I didn't want to own the fact that I had this illness. I wanted to fit in. I had a camp friend who you'll hear from later on in this podcast who owned the fact that she had a chronic illness. I hid mine from her even though we could have bonded over it because I didn't feel comfortable being in the category of someone who had health problems. I didn't want to be defined by my health. I didn't want anyone to know or think of me differently because of a diagnosis. I was so ashamed of my health. Having this major surgery felt like a turning point in my life. I could no longer hide. I couldn't pretend that everything was okay. I couldn't allow my friends to think everything was okay because I knew it wasn't. When I decided to tell people about what was going on with my health, I suddenly felt like I was removing a mask that I had been wearing for 27 years of my life. I had gotten so comfortable in my uncomfortability. Writing has always been an outlet for me. I always kept a journal. I have piles of them in my 20s and continue to write them now in my 30s. Instead of keeping my writing all to myself, I started sharing it. I wrote a few pieces for My Muddy Green and the Huffington Post in 2014 to start documenting and sharing what I was going through. Friends from all different points of my life started reaching out. The first thing everyone said was, I had no idea, to which I responded, of course you didn't. I did an amazing job at hiding. I'd like to think I live a pretty great life. I was born and raised in New York City and have a phenomenal family. I have wonderfully supportive friends. I travel to different cities to attend concerts, festivals, and explore new restaurants. I go to Tel Aviv in the winter to escape the cold in New York City. After 10 years of working for other people, I launched my own business in November 2014. Running my own business allows me to prioritize my health, not have to report into my boss or team when I have a doctor's appointment, feel crappy, or need a day to myself. Over the past few years, I've had plenty of bad days when I've been so grateful for flexibility and freedom. I know this is not everyone's reality. Having an invisible illness and dealing with the consequence of one remains a part of my daily life. I also still acknowledge March 5th, 2012, the date of my lung surgery, as a life-changing day. On the first anniversary, I had a celebration with my family and best friends. I felt so grateful to be alive. Every year since, I haven't let the day pass without marking it in some way. It's a reminder that the routine challenges associated with my invisible illness are still a huge part of my life, but there's a lot to be thankful for, too. You can go to a dark place and come out on the other side. Things get better, even though they don't become totally perfect. Social media is often misleading. It makes people think that everything is perfect when you're really just getting the highlight reel. I decided to start this podcast because I've seen firsthand how people hide behind the camera. I've hid behind the camera. Now I'm more intentional about what I share because I don't want people to feel bad for me, nor do I want them to think my life is always exceptional. It's important for me to create a balance between the ups and downs, but it's still hard. It can be exhausting to explain, and I have to remind myself that I don't have anything to prove. At the same time, I know it's important to share my experiences and raise awareness about invisible illnesses. Thousands, if not millions of people around the world are struggling with invisible illnesses. 
what would happen if we all stayed silent. I invite you to listen to this podcast, whether you're a patient silently struggling with an invisible illness or a caregiver, friend, or family member of a person with an invisible illness. You might simply be someone who is interested in learning more about this, and I'm glad you're here too. It's possible this is a topic that you've never thought about because you've never had to act as this caregiver, nor have you been the patient, but it's likely you'll play one of those roles at some point in your life. This is not a light and fun topic, but it's a real one. It's something that's part of life and needs to be addressed. There are many common, well-known health conditions out there, and I'm here to spotlight people who are living with those, as well as more rare and less talked about conditions. I'm here to provide people with a platform to share their stories, many of whom have never shared their stories with anyone before, even with their closest friends and loved ones. Thanks for tuning in to Made Visible. We hope you learned about something new today. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. We can't do this without your support. Visit madevisiblepodcast.com, follow Made Visible Podcast on Instagram, and keep an eye out for our first episode featuring an amazing guest coming soon. Special thanks to the team who made this possible. Elise Bonebright, the audio editor, Gemma Leghorn, the assistant producer, Dylan Chenfeld for the intro music, and Krista Gray for the logo and design concepts.